0: Hi, It's Maggie, one of your Novel Finds hosts. I'm here to talk to you about today's episode. Today's episode is split into two different parts. During the first half, Julie and I will be talking about the book City of Ghosts by V.E. Schwab. And during the second half, I had the wonderful opportunity to talk to author Marguerite Maitland on her book, Runaway at Sea. Definitely stick around for both halves. You're not going to want to miss it. I'm only talking to you about it because I know it's a little bit different. But the episode isn't much longer than our regular episodes. After the first half, I'm going to play the theme music again, and then we'll roll right into the second half of this episode. It was also brought to my attention that I mentioned the words middle grade novel many times during this episode. I am in no way talking about the writing quality of the book at all. I am simply talking about the target audience for the novel, and for a middle grade book, That's usually 10 to 13-year-olds. I definitely apologize for not clarifying during the episode, and thank you guys for your patience, and enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. Hey, I'm Maggie. And I'm Julia. And you guys, of course, don't know this because podcasts are resuming as normal, but I haven't talked to Julia in like a month. And I yeah, just we literally, we spent an hour talking before this. <laughs> yeah. So we're already very high energy right now. <laughs> we are very ready to go. I've had two cups of coffee. I'm stoked to record this yeah, episode with you,
1: Julia. This episode's going to be super cool for a myriad of reasons. The first one being you're in Scotland.
0: I'm in Scotland. You guys, if you don't know me or my personal life, I live in Scotland now.
1: She's there. And I'm so <laughs> jealous. We need to come up with some sort of like fundraising to get me over there with you. Uh, it's done.
2: <laughs> join,
1: <laughs> join our Patreon so Julia can visit me Yeah. Here's the buy us a book option. Get me some money for a plane ticket. Guys.
0: <laughs> Luckily, I'll be here a full year. We have plenty of time to get you here but the sooner the better. The sooner the better. Absolutely. I miss you already.
1: (laughs) All right. So the book that we're talking about today Mm -hmm. is very cool. I'm very excited for it because my literary crush (laughs) author, I don't know how to say that because I have a giant crush on V.E. Schwab. Yes. Um, There. I said it. Uh,
0: (laughs) It's out in the universe. Everybody knows.
1: Right, but we're talking about one of her young adult books. She has written tons of books, but we're talking about City of Ghosts. And for her young adult books, weird fun fact that wasn't actually an Oh wait, it is. It was the first fun fact that I was going to say. Um <laughs> She goes by Victoria yes. when she writes her young adult, but VE when she writes like older books. And I think it's probably for the same reason, like a lot of female authors do that for adult books because people are internally biased toward female authors.
0: Absolutely. I also think it's super great because when you have a 10, 11, 12-year-old reader who can read City of Ghosts, if they look up Mm -hmm. Victoria Schwab, they're going to get the other books that are focused First, on that. And, and then they'll get the other ones. Yes. Yeah.
1: But yeah. Right. So we're talking about the Schwab and City of Ghosts
0: and we picked it because you want it to tell is, them? Sure. <laughs> it is set in Edinburgh, my new home. Should I hit us up with a synopsis? I think so. Okay, let's do it. Here we go. The City of Edinburgh takes center stage in this middle grade ghost story. Since a near-death experience a year ago, Cassidy Blake can see ghosts. She can enter the veil, the curtain between the worlds of the living and the dead. When she finds out that her paranormal-obsessed parents are taking them to Edinburgh for the summer, Cassidy is wary of what she'll find. While there, she discovers the truth behind her gift and the dangers that await her beyond the land of the living. Nice. You hit us real hard with that. I did my best. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, so I already peppered you with like one fun fact. I tried keeping the fun facts like not personal because <laughs> I have a lot okay. of personal fun facts about V.E. Schwab that are okay. li- they literally mean nothing to V.E. Schwab, but everything to me. But the second one that I have is... She actually came out as queer at 28, which really, really, yeah, she's one of the people like that came out older in her life, which is pretty cool. I mean, she's 34 now, and it's fine to reveal that because she does that on her Instagram all the time. But yeah, so she said in like an interview that I was reading that. Like she didn't know exactly where she fell in the spectrum. She just knew that mm-hmm. she wasn't straight. And so yeah. she's been like on top of writing all of these awesome books that have a ton of like queer characters in them. She's just like, you know, slowly figuring out you know, where she lies in the LGBTQ spectrum, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, I didn't realize she was so old when she came out. Not that it matters. Yeah. But I yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't either.
1: I'm trying to remember. I think I found that out when I was reading the Shadows book. Shoot, um, I always I know forget I just- the name of this book. It's always just this one. I remember every single other one. A Gathering of Shadows. There you go. Um, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I think I, I feel like I read that when I was like reading more about her after finishing that book. So that was actually. Okay. Maybe the second book by V e no, probably the third, because I always forget that Addie LaRue was written by Victoria.
0: Yeah, it's very different from her other Mm -hmm. from her other
1: books. Um, But fun fact number three. So I have a third one. Yeah. Okay. Um she sold her first book, The Near Witch, to Disney before graduating college. Like right before graduation. Yeah.
0: That is awesome.
1: Yeah, it didn't get published until after a lot of her books, but that was technically the first one that she sold, I'm pretty sure.
0: That is a great fun fact. And go Victoria. Right? Live your dreams, girl. That's mm. that's that's the dream right there. Well, yeah. personal fun fact. Julia, don't be mad at me, but this is only my second V. E. Schwab book. Oh, I thought you were about to be like, I'm actually friends
1: with V E Schwab. I've seen her at a coffee shop and <laughs> be like, Maggie,
0: you waited until now. That would be a- honestly amazing of me, but I, I don't know oh, yeah. her. <laughs> I would be irate. You would be though. You would be, <laughs> especially because you guys weren't here for this, of course, but I already made a joke about how I know. Yeah. And my, my
1: mouth dropped and then I was like, shut up. <laughs> so I can't make two in a row. That would be too much. Oh my gosh. You could, but that's okay. I mean, she has a ton of books and They all kind of span throughout the magical realism genre. Yeah. But I mean, I'm happy to always suggest more. One of my recommendations at the end of this episode will be a V.E. Schwab book that is not good ghost. And I have other ones too. Oh, you're ready. You're ready to go. I am. I looked at my bookshelf today and was like, what am I going to suggest?
0: I did that as well, but I only have five books on my bookshelf currently. (laughs) So it's one of the five. It was not an inspiring time. (laughs) Did my best.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I had to look at mine. I've been trying to put together a spreadsheet the way that Tina has a spreadsheet. We talked to her-
0: Got a A few episodes ago now. Yeah,
1: that was the not so, or no, the so thrifty. I don't remember the name of the title, but she's our thrifty queen and she has a spreadsheet of all of her books. She has like a thousand or something like that, somewhere between four and 500 and I have not finished... Cataloging them yet because it's a pain in the ass. Nice to know what I have, but it's a pain in the ass to type it out.
0: But it's just going to be so nice when that's finished. Like, I really
1: need to do that. I might actually try finishing that today, two weeks from now, when other people, so they can hold me accountable when they hear this episode, be like, Julia, did you finish
0: doing it? And I'll be like, no. Yeah, this is it. If you're listening and you have Julia's phone number, I want you right now to text her, have you finished cataloging your books? No, just spam our Instagram.
1: (laughs) Shoot us a message and be like, Julia, this is your accountability partner. She needs one, you guys. Desperately. Um, Okay, so we are getting way off topic right now. I know. Just because we haven't talked to each other in a month. Um, it's because we miss each other yeah and we're like super giggly right now which is funny this is like taking me back to our very first episode where we were super giggly all the time we were
0: Um, that's because we were so nervous
1: yeah we just passed the the 10 year mark for the night circus like my circus was published
0: like 10 years ago which i think is pretty cool i think it's amazing what an what an incredible novel i you guys if you haven't Please read it. It will change your life. Should we talk about the book now? Yeah, let's move into the book. Okay. (laughs) Um, We kind of already discussed this, but the first question is, why did we choose it for this episode? The answer is because it's set in Edinburgh and I now live here. Yep.
1: And that's it. I have a giant crush on V.E. Schwab, actually.
0: It definitely went into the
1: decision-making. It did, because there are other books set in Edinburgh, but this one... I mean, it's also kind of spooky and it's coming out. It is. We're in spooky season now, guys. That's right. By the time this comes out, we'll really be in spooky season. Yeah. I'm very yeah. excited to wear pants and sweaters. But I already unfortunately, am. <laughs> uh, living in Sacramento, uh, I won't get to do that until like the end of October, you know? which is way That's... too long in my opinion. Julia, your whole vibe is autumn.
0: Everything about you. Everything.
1: Yes. Everything. Like. <laughs> I look spooky in the middle of summer when I'm wearing a black t shirt and cut off shorts. And <laughs> yes. like, it just doesn't work for anyone else. Like, everyone's all bright and cheery and flowery. And I'm over here just like, hey. Uh, yeah. So that's why we chose it. So I came across this book a while ago, probably almost a year ago, actually. I am th- pretty sure it was on sale. Like, the uh. ebook the ebook was on sale for like $2. And I was like, okay, well, I'll read this. Just because at that point, I'm pretty sure... Well, I had read Addie LaRue. Um, I think I had read the Shadow book at that point. And then I was following V.E. Schwab on Instagram and she posts all the time. And I saw that like She had posted City of Ghosts was on sale, mm, and so okay. I bought it and read it in a day, and then I bought the second book and read that in a day, and then had to wait until March of this year, of 2021, to read the third one. The third one actually just came out.
0: Oh, nice.
1: nice. By just, I mean it came out this year. but Right, but it feels very soon.
0: Well- do you have a favorite yeah. line or section that you would like to share with us today? I do.
1: So um, after getting the ebook, when we were like, we're going to actually read this for the podcast, I bought the physical copy and nice. then highlighted stuff. And so I have a highlight from chapter three mm. that is not, it doesn't really give anything away, but it's just, there There are all of these little nuggets in yeah. this. Like her parents have a lot of really good nuggets.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: so this is one that her dad said, um, Cassidy's done. And it's, dad says that the world is always changing every second of every day. And so is everything in it, which means that you or that the you you are right now is different from the you you were when you were reading this sentence. Crazy, right? And I'm just like,
0: mind blown. Yes. It's crazy to me. You guys, this is a, like a middle grade, maybe YA It's a young YA book, but the way that V.E. Schwab writes is like, it's written so simply and then every so often there's this incredible, incredible line that you just Mm want to melt into. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. Do you have a favorite line or section? Um, Yes. I wrote down two lines that I really, really liked and they're very Maggie lines about stories and living your life. Mm -hmm. You know how I am. Okay. Here's the first one. Stories have power, she says, as long as you believe in them. I just loved it. So simple, but so strong. And then my second one is, um, every time I get nervous or scared, I remind myself that every good story needs twists and turns. Every heroine needs an adventure. And I loved that too. Nice. (laughs) Those are very Maggie
1: lines. I know. I know. And I'm just like the existential lines. Like, yes, this put me in a crisis. We definitely have our own personal <laughs> themes. Yep. Yeah. They're absolute niches, which is funny to me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh,
0: so Maggie, if yes.
1: you could be a character in this book, who would it be and why?
0: Great question. I would want to be Laura. Um, I absolutely could see that. Yeah, thank you. I like her a lot because... She has the same powers as Cassidy. She can step into the veil, into the land of ghosts, but she's very no nonsense about it. She's like, this is what we need to do. This is why we've been given this power and I'm going to do everything I can. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of like her sassy attitude. She really, very no nonsense. I like her a lot. That is pretty cool. What about you? Uh,
1: I would probably be the cat.
0: (laughs) Okay. For a minute, I thought you were going to say, um, Lara's grandfather. That's <laughs> the, the built up. <laughs> I that. made it better.
1: <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, no, I mean, if I have to be a human person, uh, I would pick the mom because oh, yeah. she's pretty cool. She tells stories. She believes in all of like the ghosty haunting stuff and like weaves a great story. Like, and has a has a cool partner. Like Cassidy's dad is 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 like the historian. He's the these are the facts. This is what it is. Yeah. And then she's like, here's the hauntings, here's the story. And he's just like, here are more facts. And did so I think they complement each other really well? Absolutely. But if it can be absolutely any character, I would be the cat.
0: Amazing. I love that for mm-hmm. you. I just yeah. wanted to take a moment to say, because I didn't talk about it in the synopsis, but her parents are intrigued by ghosts and they get an offer for a television show and the dad is more of the historian he talks about the facts of what was going on during Mm. this time and the mom sort of weaves the ghost stories into it
1: yeah they're called the inspectors yeah but it's not like inspector it's inspector like specter as in ghost so it's it's really funny
0: it's a it's a good clever
1: but yeah, they're pretty cool.
0: Um so, would you say the mom is or the cat is also your favorite character? I don't
1: know, probably not. I mean, I do really like the mom. I think she is very wise and very like supportive and mm-hmm. she's a good mom for Cassidy. But I think my favorite character might be pro- oh shoot. Probably Jacob. Probably yeah. Cassidy's best friend, Jacob. He's just so interesting and he loves Marvel and comics and stuff. And I'm just like, I like that too. Nice. He's, yeah. And his storyline is so interesting. And so I just, I get very curious. He's very sassy. And he when is. things start, like when we start learning more about Jacob
0: is what makes me like him more. I agree. Absolutely. Um, I was going to say he's my favorite character too. So for those of you who don't know, who haven't read the book, Jacob is a ghost. It's not a spoiler. It's no sixth sense nonsense. You find out on like the first page (laughs) that he's Mm -hmm. a ghost and Cassidy can see him after her near-death experience. And I, what I mostly love about that character is just like the slow burn of getting to know him. And there's like kind of an insane cliffhanger with his character. Mm -hmm. And I want to know what's going to happen in the second book.
1: Well, you should read the other books. I haven't actually read the third book. I've had it on my shelf. And like, I only know what happens in the first and second books. Oh my gosh. Julia, you have to read it.
0: I know. It'll only
1: take you like a day. I know. It's just one of the, I'm a procrastinator, perfectionist, anxiety procrastinator. They all go hand in hand.
0: (laughs) Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Tell us about the bad guy, Maggie. Or the bad okay. girl. The bad lady. So there is a woman who exists in the veil, the raven, I believe she's called. In, and in red. The raven in red. The raven in red. Mm-hmm. And um, she sort of draws people to her. And she, children. Children specifically. That. Yes. She draws children to her and she takes their life. So then they're stuck in the veil and it like kind of gives her power to like keep moving forward I think part of it also
1: is the children are sometimes already dead. Like she she feels
0: their threat of life. And because Cassidy can step into the veil, her threat of life is compromised. And it's also especially bad because Cassidy does have this special power, Mm -hmm. which means that if her threat is taken, the stakes are high. Who knows what it could mean for the Raven in red. She might be able to step Mm -hmm. back into the land of the living. And honestly... She's very spooky and I think well-written for a, a middle grade book. You know what I mean? Oh, like
1: absolutely. This is like a horror story for middle schoolers.
0: Absolutely. I would have been terrified of this reading it yeah. at age 10, 11. It's still yeah. a
1: good book and it's funny and it weaves in so many pop culture references. Yeah, it does. Like there's There's a lot of Harry Potter in this book, which is... Which is fun. Also, Edinburgh, have you gone to the tea shop that
0: J.K. Rowling okay. wrote Harry Potter in? It is closed right now for refurbishment. <gasps> How so rude. I think, I don't remember. You guys, this might not be correct, but I think someone told me that someone started a fire in there. Oh,
1: like intentionally, or it was an accident? Unknown. Oh, unknown.
0: Anyway, Here's, anyway. Um, so, <laughs> Julia. Yes. Cassidy is able to bring her camera with her into the veil. If you could take any item with you beyond the veil,
1: what would you take? What would I bring into the veil? You know, if I could just bring anything that's in my hands, that would be kind of cool like if I had magic hands. Like I would probably test out what a plant what would happen to plants if I brought them into the veil. I would mm-hmm. test out if coffee gets cold if I brought it into the veil. Just things like that. I would be like popping in and out with different stuff. they would be ghosts just like standing there looking at me like, what the hell
0: is she doing right now? That's very Bill Nye the science guy of you. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. Just Did testing it that? out. <laughs> what would you bring into the veil? Okay. I feel like this is a very unsophisticated answer, but a friend. Just so I didn't have to go alone.
1: That's so sweet, Mikey. <laughs> Thank you. You're like, I would bring company. I'm like, plants. I will bring my plants.
0: Julia just wants to be alone all the time with her plants and dead people.
1: <laughs> and V e Schwab, if she'll have me. Good lord. <laughs> We're gonna have to remove this episode so she doesn't hear it.
0: I know we have um an agreement between us that if V e Schwab ever does become our friend we're going to have to erase a lot of a lot of our all, all of our patreon.
1: There's only like one episode on our patreon that does not have me name dropping Victoria. Yeah.
0: It's um it's a graveyard, a minefield is what I meant. It's, a minefield.
1: No, it can be a graveyard too.
0: <laughs> It'll be a ghost
1: town after you meet her. <laughs> I'll be like I can't talk about her now because I know her. I guess maybe but- that'll just happen naturally. She doesn't actually listen to podcasts anyway, so it's fine. Oh, well there we go. We're in the clear. Yeah. I asked her, I like not personally, I typed in a question um when she was in conversation with other authors and like she answered that question and was like, "No, I don't really listen to podcasts." She switched over to audiobooks, so.
0: Oh, good for her. Um well, Julia, what shocked you most about the plot of this book?
1: <sighs> Again, Something did shock me when I wrote this question and now I can't remember for the life of me. So, that's okay. Do you do you How have about, something
0: that shocked you? Yes, I will say my answer first. And I will say what shocked me most is sort of um the the big reveal about Jacob at the end. And I won't get into mm-hmm. it in case you guys do mm-hmm. want to read it cuz it's a big spoiler alert, but um Lara kind of tells Cassidy that there are some issues with Jacob. Mm-hmm. And his presence in her life and it it really it really segues into the second book. It's unsettling. Yeah, it's creepy. It's unknown and
1: they don't really answer it much in the second book either. So I think it's like a big thing in the third one, which is probably why I haven't read it yet. <laughs> I'm like
0: I'm not ready to know. That's good to know cuz now I need to buy the second and the third at the same time. Yes, yes you do. So I can get some answers. Um but yeah I don't want to say what it is but that was the biggest shocker to me. I th- mm-hmm. I thought it was so interesting and just perfect for a middle grade book cuz the story wrapped up but it kept you interested. Mhm. So smart.
1: Okay. So I remember what shocked me and it's not really a spoiler because like they go to Edinburgh and mm-hmm. the they're there because the inspectors are like touring Edinburgh for the show they're like recording stuff and so Cassidy like goes with them to certain haunted places there Mm -hmm. and when they go to the real Mary King's close uh and she gets sucked into the veil yeah like and and can't leave and there's just like all of that was probably the scariest part of the book for me like yes yes the raven in red is very scary But that part where she like didn't intentionally go in, she was like sucked in and then got lost. And it was just, that was scary. That was very scary.
0: I completely agree. My heart was racing a little bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then like, uh, it happens a couple more times and each time it gets like more and more anxiety inducing. It's, it's. Oh yeah. But yeah. So we know the answer to this, I'm pretty sure. But is this book a movie slash show? And if not, should it be?
0: Well, it is not currently. A Um, lot
1: of V.E. Schwab's books are being turned into shows and movies. Like I think she's
0: got a vampire show that's just wrapped up filming. Yes. It's based off of one of her short stories. Mm -hmm. So that's exciting. And she's posted a lot that she's meeting with film executives. Mm-hmm. Um, and pitching her ideas. So we will see if any more get made, yeah. it's very exciting for her. I'm glad she's involved in the
1: process, but I doubt she would let anyone else take over for her. Oh, yeah, she just seems like that kind of person,
0: definitely. Um, I will say though, I think that this would make just an excellent teen show,
1: yeah. It's got enough mystery in it, and it balances the haunting pretty well to where it they could make it not super scary. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I think if it was scary, it would be like as scary as Stranger Things or something. You know what I mean? Like Stranger Things scared me. I didn't finish it. Stranger Things scares me too. But I also know a lot of like 12, 13, 14 year olds who watch it.
1: Yeah, that's fair. What I'm trying to think of, there's a show, oh, it's on Disney Plus. It's called Something Something Sulphur Springs. Like not know. something, something. There's other words, but it's like Sulphur Springs, like the mystery okay. of Sulphur Springs or something. And I could see it having a similar vibe to that. I watched that with the 11-year-old that I live with and we liked it. The eight-year-old did not. So we hmm. just watched it whenever he wasn't around.
0: But Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Maggie. Well, yes. This is a personal question just for yeah, me. This is a
1: question for you. So I have to ask it. Okay. <laughs> Have you gone to any of the places mentioned in the book yet? Also, does Edinburgh feel like a city of ghosts?
0: These are great questions. Um,
1: Thank you. I will myself.
0: You did, and you're out here doing a good job. (laughs) Um, You're welcome. I do what I can. I have not gone to any of like the spooky places that they talk about when they're when she's like going into the. Bring a friend. Yes, I can't go see ghosts by myself. I'm not crazy. (laughs) but they mention arthur's seat she mentions the castle places in city center i have been Mm -hmm. to a lot of the touristy spots in the city but yeah i haven't been to like the underground catacomb area or anything hard
1: pass i don't want to go there when i go to edinburgh i will go to all places but underground i respect that decision thank you
0: you're welcome Um, and does it feel like the city of ghosts? Not really. It feels older. Like you can sort of feel and sense the great history around you, but I don't necessarily feel like it's haunted.
1: Okay. Well, that's good. At least you don't have any like negative vibes coming out of it. Like there can be ghosts, but they're not out to get you.
0: Could be. Yeah. I mean, who am I to say? I don't know, but yeah, I don't necessarily feel like it's scary or anything.
1: That's good. My dad's old house was haunted. It's haunted. It's still haunted. I was pretty sure the ghost did not like (gasps) me there. I would get blamed for stuff like all of the time. Be like, stop! I'm not doing anything. Uh, They just didn't like me. But it's fine. I don't live there, so it's over now. Yikes! (laughs) That's great. It was terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) It was more annoying than
0: terrifying. Well, I hate that for you. (laughs) Julia, I know you kind of already answered this, but Mm -hmm. what other of Victoria's books have you read?
1: A lot of them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I've read Addie LaRue, So Have You. Mm -hmm. I've read the first two Cassidy Blake novels, which this is one of them. We're talking about City of Ghosts. I just read The Near Witch, um, Mm -hmm. which is very good. Oh, And actually, that's like my recommendation for people who like- Have already read City of Ghosts series. Like if you haven't read The Near Witch, that's a really good one. I liked it a lot. I've read all of the Gathering of Shadows books. There's three of those. And those really good. I think I liked the second one the most out of that trilogy. Okay. Because it, I mean, like the fourth Harry Potter, there's a competition in it and people are competing. And so that's really cool. And I liked seeing that aspect of it. Um, we love a
0: competition.
1: Right? <laughs> uh, but I think my favorite one I read actually before The Near Witch, but not long before The Near Witch, is called Vicious.
0: Oh, that's next on my list. Vicious is
1: so good. I haven't read the next one. The next one is Vengeful. But they it's all about near-death experiences. Which is really funny because, like, City of Ghosts mentions near death experience. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, she's just like prepping people for reading Vicious, which is really funny. Um, Oh, so smart. Yeah, Vicious is all about villains. It's not, it's Mm. like, it's, it's, they're not superheroes. They're not good people. They're, they have their own code of ethics, but it's so interesting. Like, I liked it. A lot. I liked it a lot. So, and there's like a new graphic novel that's coming out yeah. about Vicious uh, called Extraordinary. And I'm very excited to get my hands on that.
0: I'm very excited really for cool. that too. Yeah. Um, I've only read Addie LaRue and City of Ghosts, but Vicious is on the top of my list for what to read next. I think next. you'll like it. I think you will. Yeah. Like it. it's really cool. Well, Julia, final yeah. question. Oh, Already, Um, already. I know. Our time is coming to an end. What other books do you recommend for people who want something similar to City of Ghosts?
1: Okay. Well, if you have read City of Ghosts, again, my first next suggestion, I have three, is Mm -hmm. The Near Witch by V.E. Schwab. It felt a little bit more kind of in between YA and adult, so that Mm -hmm. one might be like a good transition. But it's also just so cool. The like mythology in it is mm-hmm. interesting, like the mythology of the book, not like Greek mythology, um, which like I've been obsessively reading all of the Percy Jackson books and yes, like, you have. Heroes of Olympus. I'm on the last one right now. I'm <gasps> I'm on, uh, shoot, what's it called? I have it right here. I'm on The Blood of Olympus right now, and I'm oh planning to finish it later today. So I will not be finishing the bookshelves, guys. Um you've already <laughs> betrayed us. Spoiler. No, I maybe accountability. Someone ask me in 2 weeks when this is out. My next suggestion is actually a book I got from Owlcrate, which was really good. It's called This Poison Heart, and mm-hmm. it's by the author Kaylin Bayron, Bayron, or Bayron. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce her last name, but it is really cool. It's about this girl who has these abilities with plants. And she just learns more about her abilities. So like I'm Ooh. going with, in terms of related to City of Ghosts, Cassidy, Cassidy is learning about her abilities. Uh, these are kind of the books that I'm leaning towards are, are other people learning about their abilities and like right. being really strong by the end of the book. But That's that one, interesting. yeah, that one does involve Greek mythology and it is a very good book. I couldn't put it down. I was not expecting that, but oh. it was so good. And then my last one is Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson. Oh, Um, I need to read that. Yeah. So that one is like kind of high fantasy, not really like elves high fantasy, but definitely like absolutely different universe. Um, Yeah. Yes. And oh, it's such a good book. I've been meaning to reread it actually, but just, you know, got other, I've been like reading Percy Jackson. (laughs) That's like sucked me in. I need to finish it before I can read anything else. Um, You're busy. So that too, that too. I have a new job and just all of this stuff is coming together and I only have so much time to read and, but you know, it's still cool. But those are my suggestions. The Near Witch, This Poison Heart, and Mistborn. Love it. Love it. What are your suggestions? I also have your five
0: books. (laughs) For my five books. Uh, <laughs> seriously though. No. Um, I I have three recommendations as well. And I sort of did a middle grade, a young adult and an adult oh, recommendation nice. okay. just based off of where you are in your reading, listening journey. So my middle grade recommendation is A Wrinkle in Time, just like a classic coming of age fantasy story. Um, I feel like the two lead girls have similar personalities, not similar lives at all, Mm -hmm. but similar spunkiness. Um, My YA recommendation is a series called The Diviners by Libba Bray. Have you read this? I feel like I've heard of it. I have not read it. Um, It is about young women in the 1920s who are ghost hunters, basically. Um, It is so scary. Oh, but, but so good. I remember reading and I haven't read these, of course, since high school. So maybe they wouldn't be scary to me anymore. But I remember reading the diviners like late into the night and being afraid to turn off my light. Like oh, it was just no. so scary. The ghosts in those books are so good. They're so well written. Um, 10 out of 10 recommend. And um my adult recommendation is a book I actually just read. It's one of my five on my bookshelf. <laughs> And it is called um, Luckin' Booth. And it is also based in Edinburgh, also about ghosts. It's more of an epic tale. So it's about um, these spirits that haunt this apartment building for like a 100 years. Okay. Yeah. And it's very, very interesting. So those would be my three recommendations. I love that. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, Julia, with that, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. everyone, welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. I'm your host, Maggie, and today I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down with two wonderful women. I am here with Stephanie um, from Book and Wine Lovers and Marguerite Maitland, the author of Runaway at Sea and Adventure at Sea. Welcome, you guys. Hi. Thank you for having us. (laughs) Before we dive in to the episode. Why don't you guys introduce yourself a little bit more? Stephanie, do you want to kind of kick it off?
3: Okay. Uh, My name is Stephanie Ravel and I'm with Book and Wine Lovers Marketing and I do book tours and uh, Marguerite is on a book tour right now with me and we're having a lot of fun and... I'm keeping her on her toes. <laughs> and um that's really it. I'm I'm enjoying, you know, my my time with Marguerite and I'm learning so much more about her and um her book and the author world. And we're really excited because she has a book signing coming up. So if anyone listening from Long Island, New York, October 9th, at, uh, at the Montauk Lighthouse. She's having a book signing. There'll be a pirate show there. So it'll be a nice family event. So if anyone's in the area. Oh, that sounds wonderful, yes. It's, <laughs> it's
2: hard It's hard to think of a better setting for a book signing than the Montauk Lighthouse. That's I know. Cool. I'm very excited about it.
0: Oh, that sounds wonderful. And mm-hmm. perfect um, for sort of a pirate sea-themed novel to be right yeah. on the
2: coast. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll have the ocean behind us. You know, we'll have, you know, pirates were in the age of sail. So it's it it hits the right time frame. So it's all good.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's wonderful. Well, Marguerite, um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself and just a little bit about your book before we delve into it more?
2: Sure, sure. So I am a mom of two living on Long Island, very close to uh, the Atlantic Ocean, about 10 minutes away. I have two wonderful children, um, 21 and 18. So, um, and um, the writing has really been a part-time endeavor up until, you know, I mean, we all wear a lot of hats, right? But yeah. as far as working on the book, my grandfather gave me the story of his grandfather. So his Robert is my main character. He's my great, great grandfather. And the journal was written by his daughter, Robert's daughter, as she was retelling the stories that he told kind of around the hearth growing up, he would tell these, you know, fantastical, incredible adventures that he had. So she was encouraged to write it down by my grandfather and his siblings and then created the journal. So right before my grandfather died, he gave me the journal and this wonderful trinket. It's like a wooden shoe. It's an old snuff box from the Victorian age. It's, um, uh, it, and whatever. It, in any case, it was a treasured trinket of Robert's and um, he gave it to he kind of passed it down and then it ended up in my hand. So I foolishly, it's upstairs right now. So I should have grabbed it before we started. But um, so for a long time, the journal went in the filing cabinet and the wooden shoe kind of stayed in its place of trinket honor and it wasn't until both my grandparents passed that i remembered it and i pulled it out and read the story and thought you know it's really an incredible story of of perseverance Absolutely. and bravery yeah so so it really sparked my interest of trying to turn it into something so it really germinated for a long time it was like a hobby so it really wasn't until about 2 years before runaway at sea was published so probably 2018 that i realized it was a real Possibility that this was going to get published <laughs> and be out into the universe and this and that. So, so it's it's really been a dream for me, and and I'm you know loving this book tour and being able to have teachers be reading it to their students and um, mm-hmm. really enjoying the story, having the kid, and hoping that it sparks an interest in history for for kids. And and I have a lot of grown-ups that have read it and loved it, so. So it's really been quite the journey for me.
0: Yes. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that is so exciting. I can't wait to delve into it a little bit more later in this episode, especially Mm -hmm. just knowing that it's based off of a real story, I think is so incredible. And your personal family history that you got that published. That's amazing.
2: Yeah, I've had some incredible, I did a lot of research, um, extensive research, because I really felt responsible to make sure anybody reading it knows that it really is this is the way it was, you know, based on my research. Mm-hmm. So I was very meticulous about that. Um, and it taught me a lot. You know, it taught me a lot about writing. It taught me, retaught me history. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been in the classroom. So and yeah. it's, been, it's been an incredible personal journey in lots of different ways. Oh, that is so
0: wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's amazing.
2: Well, let's get into this a little bit more. Marguerite,
0: would you mind starting by giving us a brief synopsis of Runaway at Sea.
2: Sure, sure. So what happened was um, Robert was 12 and he was the eighth of 12 children. So it was a very big family in Southeast England. Uh, their father had died um, at, when he was very young. So there was really no information about what happened to him. But they did have a brick making and construction business, which was owned by the Frost family right up through World War II, I believe. Um, so back then, this is set in around 1849. So 1849 is when he left home. But the oldest brother, um, for some reason, focused a lot of negativity on Robert and was mm-hmm. very abusive, both both verbally and um, physically. And so he had a promised beating that he knew was coming, and he had just had about enough. And And the mm-hmm. other element, smaller but still on the radar for him, was that there's no inheritance when you're number eight, you know, everything goes to number one and number two. And if you're far down the line, you're never going to get anything. So he knew that there was really very little opportunity for him. Um, yeah. He was from a family of master um, masons and, and um, you know, builders. Um, so he and his friend, he's 12. His friend was about, I think 14 decided that they were, that's it. So they ran through the woods to the port of Hull, uh, which was a big, naval port it was a big whaling port for the british navy um, in those days and they uh climbed aboard a ship and they hid in the lifeboat and these boys had never been to school Um, the only school robert had ever been to was to climb up on the roof and fix it um so he he was uneducated couldn't read couldn't swim neither boy really could um, so they didn't really, they you know, understand what was hap- what they what they were getting themselves into. So they really yeah. thought that they were just on a cargo ship, and that they would just go one stop, kind of announce themselves, w- become useful, you know, work their way to the next port. But when they were found, it turned out to be a British naval vessel. Mm-hmm. So you know, from the fire into the pan, or from the pan into the fire, <laughs> I, that was a big whoops because. Of course, you know it's not so easy to get off a, a naval vessel in those days. Um, uh, you can't just walk off. You know that's yeah. that's it's not happening. So they were disciplined. They were roared at, and um, they were whipped a bit, and they were pressed into service. And the fear of God put in them forever, thinking of leaving without permission. So now here he is thinking. I just wanted to escape my brother, and and have right. a life. And now here I am stuck. You know so. But he made the best of it, and um, it was kind of an accidental, on purpose trek around the world um, for the next life. Yeah. So from age twelve, and the real the real time frame is really age twelve to age nineteen. So I do try to stick to that. You know, in both books, Um, Mm -hmm. there is a third book coming, um, and I I want to talk about where the journey goes, but I don't want to give away what the third book is. So (laughs) yes. but uh, there is a three. It's, so a two are out and one is coming. So I have to start writing that one. Um, but so he just had these incredible adventures. And um, it was just a story I felt that needed to be told. And uh, it, it started for me as one concept, which was more like an epic family with a shoe kind of going that little wooden shoe kind of being the thread through the generations but when I started researching, I found a librarian in England who looked up my family, wrote me a handwritten oh, nice. letter with the whole family tree, found everything. Wow. And lo and behold, you know, Robert was born in 1837. But after that, there's really no record of him. There's records of all his siblings either dying or getting married, and then their spouses died and with the children that they had. But Robert just, you know, disappeared. And and that's because mm-hmm. he was still around the ship and he left. <laughs> So, um, but it was amazing to find somebody. And that was something in the research that I just fell into. I wasn't even looking for my family tree. I was just looking for pictures of the village where they grew up. Yeah. England, um, because I wanted to be able to describe it accurately. And, um, and so I ended up falling over this librarian who, who just loved what I was working on and she delved into it. So it um, So that's just one amazing story of, you know, how the research kind of, rolled into something really special.
3: Yeah. So much fun, 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 fun. That's fun work, right? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs)
2: definitely.
0: How much would you say that the research really affected what story you told? Um, At what point did you really decide it was going to be about Robert's journey on the sea? And like, did talking to different librarians and reading different books, did it really help with your narrative?
2: Oh, Absolutely. And yeah. the research made me a better writer. The the research brought authenticity to the pages um, that without which, you know, I, I could never have come up with all those technical details um, on my own. I mean, I love the beach and I love being out on the water, but I've, I've never sailed. I've never yeah. sailed. I had to really learn this from from scratch. So uh, it definitely you know whenever i got stuck had a little writers block i you know i would always research something and then some idea mm-hmm. would come to me so the research definitely helped in that regard
0: yeah that's wonderful mm-hmm. so we've already talked about how this story is based off of your family history mm-hmm. did you hearing the story always know it was going to be about your great 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 grandfather's journey or you had mentioned that you had kind of planned on this family epic being about the shoe. Um,
2: yeah. So, so originally it, I was going to call it the wooden shoe, yeah. um, which, which I later learned would have been a terrible title, but, but that's the side. of the <laughs> But, um, but that was so all my, all the stuff to do with the book and the research and the pictures. And this is all in my folder called the wooden shoe. So I still keep it in my computer under that file. But um, what happened was I just started the research. I found that librarian. I have some friends that are boaters. And so I wrote some chapters and I gave them very, very, this is this is when it was still a hobby. And I wasn't even yeah. really thinking publishing was a real thing. And they would read it and they would say, you know, I love your writing, but this is not how it would happen on a ship. Like yeah. this. So so then it would send me off on this research um uh, delving into you know what the facts would be, and then I found the director of U.S. naval history because oh, many of our naval rules and process and procedures are really based off the British Navy, mm-hmm. so it's kind of very similar from the age of sail. So, and of course, we didn't really have a <laughs> a big you know a big presence in the Navy. The British Navy was the biggest in the world at that time. Uh, and most dominant. So I found this, I wrote him a letter requesting an interview, a phone interview. His secretary called me. I explained what I was working on. She thought it was really fascinating. She said she thinks he would definitely help me out. Here's more email, send me all your questions. So I got really excited (laughs) because I'm like, okay, I have this expert's ear. I'm going to throw everything at this guy with the kitchen sink in the most respectful way I I could. And that's what I did. I came up with about two pages of questions about storm procedures and cleaning procedures and hammocks and sails and tacking and wearing and moving the ship and, you know, all of it. And um, I never actually spoke to him. He did answer a few questions in writing, but he really answered me with um, a two page bibliography of research books. Oh my goodness! Um, yeah. So so, I got this list of you know, and it, Moby Dick. You know, that White was a Indian, big pearl. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's by Mask by Richard Dana. The, certainly, Patrick O'Brien. One of his stories was the basis of Master and Commander, which, by the way, I've seen a thousand times because <laughs> a I love Russell Crowe, but b it's an amazing visual reference for me. Even though it was set about a hundred years before my book, it still gave me you know everything I needed visually. So that sent me on. Like just this bend of bender, it was like a research bender. It's yeah. Can describe it. Um, and I just I I worked with my local library because some of these books were like in one place in Kentucky or Oregon oh, yeah. or you know whatever. So my local librarian would be ordering these books for me from all over the country, and they would some of them take weeks to come. Yeah. Um, and then I would have them only for a specified mm-hmm. number of weeks. So I I have a composition notebook. Like you would have an elementary school, but mine is filled with notes about, you know, the anatomy of a sail and the little pictures I drew about how they move the ship and just the physics of it. Yeah. And, and all of that really helped me to describe it because the, everything's written from Robert's perspective. So everything's through the eyes of this 12 year old kid. You know, the first time he sees them unfurl the sail and it fill with wind, it's it's really quite majestic and grand
3: mm-hmm. sight. If you've ever seen any tall ships, that they still have those. I could just the imagine the the sound of it coming down and yes. you know the flapping like and
2: yeah. yeah, the slapping and and mm-hmm. the and the sound of the wind and and all of these things all new. The creaking of the wood, the the crashing of the waves or the lapping of the waves, depending on what the weather was like. So, um, and the storms were quite ferocious, quite ferocious. Yeah. So I would sit um, in my backyard sometimes, you know, reading a book about, you know, the ocean currents and this and storms and what happens in the North Atlantic or the South Atlantic Ocean and look up at the trees in my backyard and think those are 80 feet tall. And I'm thinking, what if I was on the deck of what you think is a really rather large wooden ship? very well built but you have an 80 foot wave about to crash on your head you know how do you feel like that's terrifying and then imagine your 12 year old kid you know so i kept trying to imagine what that would have been like for him in those times and and i read a lot of captain's journals the british navy Mm -hmm. is amazing in the record keeping going back even as far as the 1500s of captain's journals so one of these days i'm going to go to england and I'm going yes. to look at every ship that was in the port of Holland in 1849 because one of those captains will have a note in his log that they found two. He found two stowaways in his. Oh, bicycle. you have
3: to do that, and I
2: have to do that because I, I I don't know the name of the actual ship, but I I know I either have to hire a researcher or go there myself. And I I've never been to England, so I feel you like should I'm go. I,
3: I need
2: to <laughs> you need to go, yeah, yeah, <laughs> because that would be an incredible find for me to actually see it in the captain's log. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. That would be so incredible. Yeah, that would be amazing. And I think um, just going back a little bit, it is so smart, um, even though this is based on a real story, to have a kid who knows nothing about boats or about sailing learn how to be on a ship, because then that's perfect for the reader. I also know nothing about sailing, and I felt like I was learning alongside of him. It wasn't mm-hmm. a ton of exposition being thrown at you. Instead, it was you going on this journey with Robert. And I thought that that was really a smart way to write it.
2: Yeah, think it well. And I have to tell you, when I first started this, I was terrified of the dialogue. Yeah. And so the first early, early versions was very much heavy narrative, heavy exposition, not a lot of speaking between the characters. And, um, you know, I joined a critique group. Um, early on, which also made me a much better writer because none of these people are going to tell me it's great when it's not. Uh, so i it was like having a room full of editors all yeah. the way through the whole me learning how to write and how to tell the story in the right way. And I realized that dialogue was really the only way um, to show the character growth and move the story forward. And so now my writing is way more heavy on dialogue. So it's yes. just like a growth Because if I find when I'm writing, I have a page with no dialogue, I go back and I say, no, no, no. There's got to be a way that these characters are talking to each other and I'll rewrite it.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Especially um, with a YA novel. That's the best way for kids to really get that information. Absolutely. So this is the first thing you've ever written and you became a published author. How do you feel?
2: I feel like the best day ever was <laughs> February fifth of twenty twenty. I mean, aside from my children, of course. That, that without yeah. saying, like that's yes, of was course, first, right. But beside that, is you know, that was the day that you know I got to hold this book, this in my hand, and say like it has my name on it, and I wrote it, and I and I did it all, and and um, it was an amazing feeling. Amazing. It's a feeling.
0: huge accomplishment. That's incredible.
2: Yeah. And even better um, than even being able to hold it was have it be read by so many people and get such incredibly good feedback from teachers, from administrators, oh, yeah. superintendents, curriculum directors, kids, grown ups, you know, once it's out in the universe, it's not my critique group, it's not my family, it's not my friends anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, now it now it's like real deal. It's a real and deal. Right? As a writer, you know, you have to have a thick skin. You're not going to please everybody. Definitely. um, So far, I've been really lucky. Everyone reads it, really likes it. So, (laughs) fingers. That's good. Yes, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. For
0: those of you who are interested, at the very end of this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about a contest to maybe get this book in your school. We'll talk a little bit more about where to find this book. So, stay tuned. That'll be coming right at the end of this episode. And then, um, I am super curious. Did you always plan, and I know that there's a sequel, but you mentioned a trilogy. Did you always right. know it was going to be a trilogy? Or is this something that sort of happened as you started writing the story?
2: Um, it definitely evolved. So when yeah. I, I, the original thought was that once it became about Robert, it was going to be one book. And then because he was 12, um, when it all started, I wanted to be in the young adult space because mm-hmm. I felt that was most appropriate, you know, middle grade to young adult. And so I would go to these conferences in Manhattan or Brooklyn, all these writing conferences, and they would do these Pitchapalooza. So you'd pick out, they'd give you in advance what agents would be there. You stand in line, you have three minutes with the agent, one minute to pitch your book and two minutes to, for them to engage back with you. So it's wow. really nerve wracking. Yeah. Yeah. So weeks and weeks developing my elevator pitch and watching all these instructional videos and reading because publishing is a whole other animal Mm -hmm. and marketing the book is a whole other animal than writing. So it's really, and I'm in the financial industry as my regular existence, my day-to-day job. So I'm, I'm pretty, you know, adept at, at your business, things but this was a whole new thing to learn so Mm -hmm. I really got lucky in one of the um conferences I went to because one of the middle grade young adult agents I was at her last person and then they were breaking for lunch and she stayed another 10 minutes with me amazing Um, we were just chit-chatting and I I just very I think I sent her an email um at some point after this you know just to thank her for her guidance but I told her I had about 120,000 words And she said, "Uh, uh, not in young adult, you know, no, no way that's too long. Nobody will publish it. Um, So she said, you should have a series. So, so she's the one who gave me that guidance. And when I went back and looked at the book and I thought, well, I was really getting towards the end and I was up around 120, 125,000 words. And then I thought, well, if I was going to split this into two books, here's where I would end the first book. And so all of a sudden now I had a first book. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, wait, so this makes me kind of done way faster than I thought I was going to do. Yeah. So it was was a little accidental. Um, Yeah. Then it was two books, and then I realized it really needed to be three. So it really did evolve over time, and it was definitely the result of guidance that I got from experts in the industry. So I am, you know, literary agents. I, I queried them, and I've met many of them. They've worked very hard. They're inundated with requests for manuscript reads, et cetera. I ended up finding an indie publisher on Long Island and she's become a great friend and um, mentor. And, you know, I've learned a lot about publishing through her. So I'm very happy that's where I landed, but you know, it's, I mean, they work hard literally. So I, you know,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And then sort of our last question for you, Marguerite, before we move over Mm -hmm. to Stephanie is, do you have a favorite line or quote from your novel that you would like to share?
2: so i kind of knew this was going to be asked so i actually had to go back because i i could say there's lots of favorite parts like i like the mm-hmm. rowboat scene when they're first figuring out how to row a boat um you know those those types of things but i i was able to pick one when they're in the jungle um and it's when they you know we're getting shot at by the men on the ship and they're they're lost kind of you know trying to hide and they can't figure things out and all of a sudden, um, these monkeys appear ahead of, you know, above them in the trees. And, um, and then all of a sudden, Robert sees this big, very scary, hairy spider on his boot. Um, and, <laughs> and the two of them are trying to figure out, like, you know. And so Robert's bleeding <laughs> because, mm-hmm. you know, he's injured. And he's looking down and, and terrified. Like, what if this, how, you know. So they're just talking between the two of them. You know, I don't want to die. And how do I get to Here's a stick and <laughs> kick it up, you know. And so it's just, you know, and I just remember writing it. Yeah. And when I wrote those scenes about um, the jungle, I would play the sounds of the jungle on YouTube in the background. And oh, I would smart. be listening to the sounds of, of, and I did a lot of research about the correct animals in this jungle, who would be there and who wouldn't be there, what spiders, what snakes, what monkeys, and what sounds, what did they look like? So I did a lot of research about, what is the right, you know, um, native, um, species in that jungle, even including the trees and, you know, where the streams and what they would look like and all of that. Um, so I would listen to those sounds <laughs> of the jungle as I was writing it. Smart. And I think yeah. it, just, it just helped me kind of put myself there. Yeah, definitely. It, it
0: sets the mood, yeah. right?
2: Yeah. There's no real jungles on Long Island. So. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta I gotta watch a a film about it or something, right? <laughs> so I see oh. that 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 part where the spiders on his boot and and him trying to figure out with it, with Michael, where, you know, what they're going to do, and his, his fear of dying, but he also knows he's very thirsty and he's bleeding, and there's all kinds of things going on in his head. So,
0: absolutely, yeah, I love that. I love that so much.
2: Um, and then thank you so so much, Marguerite. We're
0: gonna talk to you a little bit more right at the end of the episode, and we're going to move over to Stephanie. Um, Just a reminder, Stephanie is involved with the Book and Wine Lovers Instagram. She does their marketing. She's running a few book tours. So my first question for you, Stephanie, is what has it been like having a book tour in the midst of the pandemic and sort of this post-pandemic?
3: Well, the pandemic kind of uh, made authors realize that um, just to market their book they don't have to go to book signings like I mean it's a fun thing to do you get to meet your readers talk to them chat with them uh, have a personal experience with them but being online and being able to now you could zoom all these people and not have to travel around like right now what we're doing you know there you know Marguerite could have had a personal interview with you, but she's not going to travel all the way to Scotland. (laughs) That's fair, yeah. (laughs) So so the internet has, you know, the pandemic has forced us to depend on the internet more. Yeah. I believe. So now we're doing the book tours virtually, which means everything is done online. There's not Mm -hmm. a lot of in-person book signings because we're not allowed to do it. Um, as we spoke earlier we are having a book signing with Marguerite um, October 9th at the uh, montauk lighthouse but that's like is that that's your first signing since the pandemic started right yeah so yeah. this and is going to be exactly. all new we're not we're not really sure what's going to exactly happen because mm-hmm. it's it's something really new but in in the interim for example we're doing the uh, the book tour. And she's getting, you know, people to review her book and she's getting interviews. Uh, She's going on uh, reader's blogs and things like that. So she's taking advantage of the Internet that way. And, you know, nothing beats in person, you know, right. Right. Um, Of of course. But um, if you have to depend, you know, we're lucky that we have the Internet and the social media. So at least she could, you know, work with that and, you know, still market her book and uh, engage with readers that way. Like a lot of people would, uh, through the book tour on Instagram, for example, uh, would write, you know, oh, I loved your book. And then Marguerite would respond back. And so she can make a little connection that way with the readers. So at least it's some yes. kind of connection, you know?
0: Yeah. And there is something to be missed, right? From a live reading or a live oh, book yeah. signing. But I also think, Like personally, I've been able to attend many Zoom meetings, Mm -hmm. I guess, or um, productions where authors get to talk to a huge group of people that just wouldn't have been possible without the pandemic. I think we've sort of delved into this new way of authors reaching their audience where they can reach sort of a much wider audience because I'm currently living in Scotland, but I could attend a reading that was happening in New York
3: virtually right exactly yeah. and now she has uh marguerite has uh, listeners say from scotland and all over the world that might not have known about her book and now they do if she yes. went on a book signing i don't know if you'd go to scotland or not marguerite, for a book <laughs> no, signing it's kind of a good excuse to go yeah. to scotland yeah. so you know but it'd be very expensive and you know <laughs> so this is a nice way <laughs> Yes. Of getting, um, you know, readers far away, you know, getting yes. interested in her book.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree with you. Yeah. I think it has sort of been a blessing in disguise in
3: some aspects. Yes, I agree. Yeah. That's what I say. It is a blessing in disguise. I mean, I know it's not a good thing, but yeah. um, some, some people were able to take advantage of the situation, for example, authors and uh you know, kind of make uh lemonade out of lemons, you know
0: yeah, absolutely um, so how long have you been doing this? How long have you been sort of running these book tours and helping with marketing
3: uh I've been doing it for about two years now
0: you did it you kind of started just before the pandemic was it yeah. weird to sort of shift gears
3: so no, early um no it, it 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 wasn't it it was it was fine it was it was okay yeah. um I've done um you know, a lot of book tours for other book tour companies myself. So it was, I was already kind of starting doing all online stuff anyway. And, um, with my book club, we've already, we're starting to do zooms with authors and stuff. So I was kind of already doing it, uh, personally and then it kind of just switched over professionally. That's
0: wonderful. That's great. And then, um, Sort of the last focused question on you, Stephanie. I noticed on your Instagram, um, Book and Wine Lovers, that you had a sign-up sheet linked. Are yes. you currently looking for bookstagrammers? And if so, what are you looking for?
3: Okay, we're always looking for bookstagrammers, bloggers, um, anybody who would like to read and review a book. Yeah. Um, and it's all genres. It doesn't have to be just historical fiction or YA. Um, most people... Um, on the on the uh, form, it'll ask you which ones you like. But most people like more than one type of genre. Yeah. Um, or some people might even decide to read, say, for example, a YA book. It's their first time, and they were like, "Wow, I had no idea. I got to start reading more YA books." You know, yeah, for example, sure. do, working on Marguerite's book tour, and some people, oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe I'll try it. And they're like, so happy they they read it. So, yes. And I have a lot of teachers uh, reading the book. And now they're reading it to their class. So their class is glued <laughs> to the book. And, um, you know, like, for example, one particular class, Marguerite will be doing um, a Zoom with the class. So the class actually gets to meet the author. And, you know, a lot of youngsters don't get to do that. So yeah. by doing the Zoom, you know, having this internet, this wonderful internet that we have, She's able to meet all the students and the students are just, you know, they're just going to love it. They're going to love meeting her and looking and seeing the shoe and and all that kind of stuff, you know? That's wonderful. Yeah. It's exciting, but any, any type of genre and we're always looking, I would never turn anyone away.
0: Perfect. Um, If you guys are listening, I know that there are a few of you who are interested in reading book arcs and getting more involved in Bookstagram. Um, feel free to check out Stephanie's Instagram. It's at Book and Wine Lovers, and there's a link in her profile. I will link her Instagram to our episode information. So if you're looking for that, just follow the link and you can find her there. I have one final question for both of you, and then I just want to get a little bit more about where we can um, find the book for our listeners who are interested in reading Runaway at Sea and. Then we'll close out. But last question. And I think, Marguerite, you actually answered this at the very beginning. But what yes. is
2: your favorite book? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my favorite book ever is Gone with the Wind. Yeah, um, yes. definitely. Second favorite, Anna Karenina. And then, I don't know, there's so many books that could be in that third slot. It's hard to pick. But um, but those are my, my top two.
0: Wonderful choices. Anna Karenina has been on my list for forever.
2: <laughs> I, oh, I haven't got sense. to it yet. I- It's a fantastic novel, fantastic um, written. I, you know, I might say my third is actually um, Jane Austen's uh, Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Huge influence for me growing up, reading her, um, reading her books. So, uh, and and of course the movies are great, but the books are always better. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm.
3: Stephanie, what about you? Well, I'm like the non-traditionalist. I like more of like you know, newer novels, but not that I don't like Pride and Prejudice, because I forgot, I I didn't even think of that, because I might have, I might have wrote that down. Um, I like The Nightingale by Christine Hanna. Yes. And, um, again, these wouldn't be probably on people's favorites. Circling the Sun by Paula McLean. I just love, love, love that book. These are both Um, historical fiction, right? Historical fiction, badass women, (laughs) And that's what I love. And then The Power Secret, again, um, with uh, the women pilots, you know, badass yep. women. And again, historical fiction, mo- you know, most of them with the world wars and whatnot. Um, th- that's what I like to read.
0: Wonderful. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. Um, and then before we close out, Marguerite, uh, can you tell us where we can find your book?
2: Uh, yeah, well, it's on barnesandnoble.com. It's on amazon.com. I think most of our sales are coming through Amazon. Um, we, um, will be doing some like limited book signings, you know, et cetera. Um, so that the best place, so if you're, if you, if you're a school curriculum director and you want to actually add the books to your, um, recommended reading list or put them in your classrooms, we do have special pricing, um, on our website. So the best place to go really is Runaway at Sea. Okay. That will give you runawayatsea.com. Sorry. Um, and that will give you both. Um, book synopsis there's um an event page and then i also have a creative writing workshop for kids um which is registered with the schools here on long island so um there's all kinds of units about teaching creative writing and and waking up the kids imaginations we also have a creative writing boot camp for grown-ups which is linked there um and then events coming up you know either virtually or in person like the montauk lighthouse and then there's a purchase tab also so you can link to purchase the book, um, you know, one at a time with Amazon, but at any bulk purchases or, you know, things to do with schools or um, libraries, uh, there's a bulk order uh, form and, and preferred pricing for bigger, you know, bulk orders.
0: Wonderful. So then for those of you interested, I will link runawayatc.com. That'll be on our Instagram. That will be on the information for this episode. So, if you're on Apple or Spotify, you can get a direct link right to that website. And then quickly, before we go, um, would you mind explaining a little bit about the essay contest that is happening to get the book in your schools?
2: And, and you know, thank you for bringing that up, because that should have been the first thing that I said. <laughs> So the essay contest is a fantastic idea um, with um, Stephanie and my publisher, whose also name is Stephanie. So it's the Stephanie's. Uh, So it is for kids, um, really, you know, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. But, you know, anybody could participate. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just an essay contest. So You write an essay, um, the link, the information on the um, essay contest. I I think the link is on the website also to Runaway at Sea.
0: That is so great. That will also be linked in our podcast episode information. That is such a wonderful opportunity. Thank you guys
3: so much for doing that. Yeah, we already have submissions and everything already. So it's exciting. (laughs) The deadline is October 30th. So there's still time. There's definitely still time.
0: Yeah. by Even when this episode comes out, you guys will have a month um, to get your essay in for that contest. This book is so much fun. It's a really great YA novel. perfect for, I would say, all right. ages. You're going to have a really, really wonderful time reading this book. It's super fun. And with that, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much to Marguerite and Stephanie for joining me today. I had a wonderful time talking with you guys. I hope you guys had fun too. Oh,
3: we did. We uh, did.
2: Definitely. Thank you for having us. It's been, been really, you know, a treat. Thank you. Oh, thank
0: you so much. And then to our audience, if you loved what you heard, share us with your bookish friends and family members. And if you're listening with Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review. You can also choose to buy us a book. This is a one-time donation option available through PayPal, which can be found in our link tree on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. Our email, Patreon, and Instagram handle can be found in our bio. Again, thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you all in two weeks with another episode. Thanks again to our guests and have a
3: wonderful day. Thank you. you, We had a great time.